0: Hey, hi, hello, and welcome to The After Party, where the overwhelming question this week is, what the fuck, slash thank you, slash no, slash, <laughs> yeah.
1: I like that the
2: overwhelming question is, no. No,
3: not a question, no. there's a period at the end of that.
2: Well, first, uh, I. sorry, we have something very important to do. Happy birthday (laughs) to you.
0: Marilyn Monroe, I didn't invite you here.
2: Happy birthday to you. I thought that was a private thing. Happy birthday, (laughs) Amanda. Mr. Amanda. (laughs) Happy birthday to you. Oh, Thank you. I was
3: going to sing along, but I didn't want
2: to ruin that. That's fair. (laughs) Eric. Put your shirt back on, Eric, please. So okay, sorry. My my shirt, I gotta put my shirt back on. I realize how much hand movements I do during voices.
0: <laughs> Does a lot of hand work. Yeah.
2: Like you guys for everyone who's on the live show, you saw what tuna is. But like Marilyn Monroe was like up here. I did like a cop and his, his hands are like up in my chin. So That's true, you do. I didn't mean to derail your happy birthday when talking about voice work. Happy birthday, Amanda. Happy Thank birthday. You. Happy birthday.
0: Thanks. Thanks. Much appreciated.
2: We're also celebrating Brandon's birthday because Brandon won't tell us when his birthday is. So happy <laughs> birthday, Brandon.
0: Yes. So we just have a vague sense that by the time it gets to mine, we've missed it. So Brandon, <laughs> exactly. sorry. Sorry we missed your birthday, bud. It's fine. It's
1: fine. Maybe next year. Maybe next year.
3: That's kind of... <laughs> if we just wish it every day, we'll get it right eventually. That's true.
2: <laughs> you have all of the clues, Batman. Batman. <laughs>
0: But there is a lot to talk about in these two episodes. I'm so glad that they were paired together just in the way Mm. that the after party uh, cycle ended up working out because this was awesome. So uh, getting into the real questions here, something that I would love to talk about with everybody is the fight mechanics. I think this was our first fight where we were all kind of engaging with different enemies in different places at different times. And I freaking loved it. So Eric, you want to sound off a little bit on the mechanics?
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Some of you fought and some of you got fired from jobs. So
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's
2: like fighting the system though you know yes exactly uh once as always i like shouting out misha stanton who i say how do i make this work at least i just yell at misha until we figure something out and misha gives me wonderful ideas and it was just the idea that aunt min wanted to threaten val in a way that really hurt them as we said aunt min's not the kind of person who's going to shoot you with a gun she's going to ruin your life in so many ways. She was executing that at the same time. That was phase two, which was Salomony trying to take out Preserver, hiring Cottonmouth. I want to make this clear. Cottonmouth was hired by the mob to ruin Milo's favorite place, which was Thornhill. I don't even know if I realized that. (laughs) That's why Ant-Min said, Killanova's neighborhood was in danger and that's why Cottonmouth was running around saying like oh look at this gentrified hipster shit hate this you must hate it that i'm ruining your place self-hatred is a really powerful emotion to feel you know
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah and then man was trying to systematically ruin val's life i didn't want to hurt val but they didn't want to realize that they didn't have anything left to do but to join the mob and I think that was that was the ultimate thing, like putting the fear of God in you that you don't have anything, and your mom could be hurt at any time.
0: That's true. Before we get into the specifics, I feel like so sad. <laughs> <sighs> Julia, the people would like to know how how you doing, how you coping. It's just really funny
3: because I feel like the past three after parties, everyone just keeps <laughs> you. like, "Are you doing okay?" And the answer was yeah, but. Also, I realized all of the anxiety built to this episode, which was the most anxiety-filled episode, and I just was, like, just so anxious. This was, like, the peak of the anxiousness. Now I can relax a little bit, quote-unquote, but, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm okay. (laughs) (laughs)
2: I just love this. I mean, I love it because I feed off your anxiety. It's delicious. It's like chocolate (laughs) syrup to me. Mm -hmm. But I love this because although this arc was called Join the Channel, I gave you all two things to pursue, one of which was... The criminality stuff and the other stuff with the YouTube stuff and the way that the roles worked even from episode one was that you guys just never meshed with Bones body and you never ran him down or tried to figure out what his deal was but instead it was really all about the crimes so that's where we got the Danny stuff that's where we got the Night of Mirrors stuff became you guys pursuing the mob stuff then again I had to put the squeeze on Val and this is the the culmination of that yeah.
0: To me, Val is so capable and sure of themselves that I didn't feel anxiety as a player because I'm like, Julia's got this. Like, A, she has the roles. And B, Val knows what they're doing and, and, like, knows what the right answer is. So I think you did a really good job, Julia, of, like, you know, really considering something and kind of weighing all those factors. I hope I hope people are not too, too worried.
3: You know, this was something that I wanted to kind of reveal early on, but I wanted this episode to come out first. But in my head, when the whole thing with the painting and Val failing that wisdom check, I, in my head, said to myself, what is the thing that Aunt Min can say in order to get Val to turn to mm-hmm. the mom? And if Aunt Min had said that, like in canon, Val might have taken her up on that offer, but... um It wasn't said, and then Val didn't.
1: Can you share that, or is that something that's still in play? Yeah,
3: if Ant-Min said out loud, you can make your community a better place by working with us, Val would have done
2: that. Oh, that's a good point. (laughs) I don't know. I don't think that... But Ant-Min's not from the community. She never in a million years would have said that.
3: But that's how I kind of interpreted Val's experience with the painting was I can make my community better. So if Ant-Min had said that to them... They would have 100% been, okay, I'm down. Let's do this.
1: Yeah, men went the other direction. It's like, wouldn't it be a shame if your community wasn't as good yeah. if yeah. this happened? yeah.
3: What if the things you loved about your community were the things I took away from it?
1: Yeah.
2: Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, I never would have done that. So that's wild to hear. I'm just like, I think the painting is really interesting because it exists in this other way. Like whatever Danny's powers do is kind of divorced from what Ant Min is trying to do running the mob of LTC. And like that is what people also see, like mobs and I guess other like armed groups, they do try to improve quote unquote improve the community. But do they actually do that or is that just a front for you to collect money from them? And I think that Ant Min never would have said that. So I think that's really interesting. Yeah. Um and the the relationship we have with the painting is much deeper than anything someone could have said, which is, quite frankly, much more interesting to me.
3: (laughs) I'm glad it worked out the way that it did. It would have been interesting if Ant-Man had said that and Val went down the other road, but didn't end up happening.
1: It would have been very difficult for me and Amanda to have a, fel- a mob player. Yep. <laughs> it, that would have been wild,
2: though. I, I feel glad that I never would have thought of that. Like, if I had missed something and I didn't say it, I would have been kicking myself. But that's incredible. I love that.
0: Yeah, but especially in a a campaign, too, where like there is no perfect organization and no perfect system like Dr. Morrow is fallible. Uh, Certainly the state and the police are not like the people that we hold up as like this is right and everything outside of the law is wrong. So I think there could have been a really interesting way for us to like deal with that choice of vows. Like, how do we, you know, just like Dr. Morrow, how do we take a platform and and turn it for like genuinely the most good? We'll Never know. Maybe in a maybe in a a one shot. We'll all be mob people. (laughs) That would be fun. (laughs)
2: Oh, yeah. Let me talk about the fight mechanics.
0: Right. Oh, yeah. Back to it. Back to it.
2: Yeah. So I wanted... So speaking of the fight mechanics, that's why I wanted Val to have to deal with this in a different way. They were always going to be like very small scenes of you on the phone making yourself sweat out the ride to your mom. So it was just going to be straight up uh, charisma checks. I am happy that we were introduced to Mitzi, who is my new favorite NPC. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Sorry, Chad. Sorry, January. It's all Mitzi now. Mitzi Mitzi Dice coming in 2021, which was wonderful. And I love that you couldn't convince Dom because, like, was there a gun to his head? Was there something else happening? He, has he been under the thumb of of mobs for so long that he can't get under it? I, I found that really interesting. Someone who we met in episode one, being cracked like that, I, I loved. Um. So then that was Parrot alongside the thing that Preserver had to do, an elongated skill challenge, something I've used a few times throughout Join the Party. But this I'm really leaning into it like as scene building here. For those of you who don't know, skill challenges are really just like depending on how many successes or failures you get is how the scene turns out. And it gets played out that way, uh, whether you need to attack or whether you have to make a, a saving throw or whatever, like I keep track of the score on my side. So like how that played out, it was really like a mixed success there. You had like pretty even wins and losses. So I really love like the tension and realizing it was Salomone at the end, who's just like blowing up
0: buildings,
2: <laughs> which I just love. I
0: loved his outfit. I love his outfit yeah. too. <laughs> I do have to confess that the, this is the one time in either campaign where I have felt like frustration at failing a, a check where mm-hmm. at the end of that scene, because I didn't know what was going on. Like looking back, obviously, like I see it was happening, but i was so caught up in the fiction that when <laughs> I had that split second decision to fall off the building and I still got hit anyway, I was like, why, Eric? Why can't I fall off the building? <laughs>
2: I remember that. I remember that. But and it-
0: listen, that's on me. I I personalized it. It was still awesome anyway. I just wanted to have a little
2: accountability
0: moment for everybody. Uh, And yeah, I was like, but that was such a good idea. Why can't I succeed?
2: And that's why you survived. I did survive. You you totally survived, which was awesome. I keep forgetting that you have like supernatural powers.
0: I'm a monk, baby.
1: (laughs) I love it when Amanda just says, yeah, like without hinting at it
2: at all. It's just like, I fall off the building. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, okay, I have to do math. And she's like, no, no, no,
0: no, no, no. Can I get this back as change? No, no, no. Did the math
2: already. <laughs> and then, of course, I paired it with the one on one superhero fight that happened between Cottonmouth and Killanova, which I loved because this is actually like a twist on and maybe this is like how I see join the party at large, but it was a twist on something that I had seen from Not Another D&D Podcast. They had done this because they love Cobalt Press. They figured out this, like, boxing mechanic, which is, like, if you have two people who are in a boxing ring, you're going to do the same thing that I explained in the episode. But I'm like, okay, well, we've been talking about, like, what it means to have power and what it means for two magical folk or two powered folk or two, like, PCs even or, like, a PC and an enemy. What does it mean when they fight? And I'm like, oh, this is a perfect opportunity for, like, those big Marvel ass superhero fights where people are just slugging each other and it's not fun to necessarily watch the HP go down, but I do want Cottonmouth to become like a fucking smoke genie and I want Killanova (laughs) to respond with with ghost powers. Like that is how we do it and I think it's because like it's swing for swing and then who wins that? I like the contests of that and I really want to keep using this for when uh, we have to one on one powered folk. I think it's really fun and uh, we're going to keep doing it.
1: Yeah, I think it's really effective. I love it,
2: especially when I win. Yeah, <laughs> listen, I rolled like dog shit. I rolled like dog shit. You beat me fair and square on that second round, and there's nothing I could do about it. Like uh, Cottonmouth had the upper hand on you, and then you you wailed on him, man. Yeah, I really love that you could like put your spells into it, which I feel like is the best way to to have like a magic user. Do it. I was really happy with how you were like burning those spells. It was like you were taking the power of a spell slot and like putting it in a punch. Yeah. And I felt that, mm-hmm. that was really just like mechanically, that was really satisfying.
1: I love it.
0: It's Gen 9. I would also like to say, not a question, but the music in the left episode slaps fire emojis. <laughs> Good job, Brandon.
3: Again,
1: didn't write it, but uh, I appreciate the appreciation for the use of it. Thank you for putting <laughs> it's it together. the
0: use in the placement, man. It is. Yeah. We're going to move now into a section that Eric titled "How are you?" question mark question mark Italics. <laughs> and first, uh, Julia Bray, as well as a bunch of other people in the Discord, want to check in on how you are. And I'm glad to know that you are good now. Um, but Deadly Kitten ninety eight on Insta asked what I thought was a really interesting follow up question: Why didn't Aunt Min attack Val's mom? Was it because she knew Val's mom is a badass? Or my editorializing is it just because like the fear of attack was enough?
3: I think it, I think it was a intimidation tactic for for instance
2: no i definitely think it was an intimidation tactic while knowing it was coming out i was kind of kicking myself about giving you another moment if you you and your mom had to fight a powered guy in the apartment, much like in Into the Spider-Verse when they fight in the Queen's house at uh, mm-hmm. at, at Aunt May's house. But I I, I loved the, the scene that we got out of it was so beautiful and poignant between Val's mom and Val, which was so nice. And yeah, I don't think Aunt Min would still thought she could get you. So why would she hurt your mother? Yeah. Is just like, there was still the opportunity for her to call you and be like, this is what could happen. Do you want to come over? And uh, then remembering, even if you say no, that the fear of, like Amanda said, the fear was enough. And that if you say no, now the fear is still there.
3: I'm I'm going to admit, I had some real fear going into this episode. I genuinely thought you were going to hurt either my mother or Hitomi.
1: I heard- did hurt Hitomi.
2: I shut down. We were right. I know, but physically. <laughs> Jinx. Yeah. Brandon and I Brandon and I both both said that at the same time because we did we know.
1: <laughs> um, where does your mom keep her vegetables? <laughs>
3: Just on the bottom shelf if the crisp is too other occupied. Oh, but the the lettuce the lettuce is gonna get all wilty. We we have arugula in our house, not lettuce. <laughs>
2: Ooh. Fair. I love fair. it.
3: Got that peppery green. Mm. <laughs>
2: I know that's true. I just like how you said it. <laughs> Thank
3: you.
0: All our salads are caprese salads.
2: <laughs> there it is. It's Well, Brandon, you don't keep tomatoes in the fridge. So, what other vegetable do I need?
0: <laughs> that's what I was gonna say. You keep the veggies in the fruit drawer and the fruit on the counter because it preserves the flavor.
2: Exactly. That's true. That's true. Mm. And I can mm. and I can just leave the onions where ever the fuck ever. So like, where what am I gonna need the crisper for? Cool
0: dark place, baby. <laughs> there were multiple questions too. If Doctor Morrow and Carmen are okay, <laughs> so <laughs> Carmen's fine. Carmen's just living her best life. Absolutely. And Bray also wanted to know, what's Carmen's social media handle?
2: I really want to shout out Tanya, who responded to this on our Discord, that she suggested Carmen not San Diego as her main. It's extremely good. And then Cafecito con Carmen as their, pri- <laughs> their private. Damn, which, that's like, good. <sighs> ah, thank you.
0: Tanya. Those are beautiful. Right canon.
2: That's it. Carmen would 100% have a Spanish referring Twitter name. So thank you, Tanya, for bolstering that. I appreciate that. Listen, so I saw someone who was being like, is Carmen okay? Why does she drink so much coffee? And I'm like, because she's 23. And she <laughs> runs social media the for, social media for the government. Yeah. Like,
0: that's why. Because she can. <laughs> and all social media people are overworked and underpaid and expected to just, like, be awake at midnight when when their boss, you know, tweets something uh, irresponsible. <laughs> so yep. I, I really, uh, several people who work in social media management were like, I feel seen. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Athena would also like to know by way of follow-up, does Dr. Morrow need a witchy girlfriend and can I volunteer?
2: Write those fanfics, baby. That one's out of my hands. My Dr. Morrow is too busy. I vote for it.
3: <laughs> She's too busy trying to genetically engineer Blockbuster, which was a ridiculous...
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. (laughs) And our final how are you, CC asks in Discord, everybody asks who is the Knight of Mirrors? But how is the Knight of Mirrors? They seem stressed, to say the least. How they doing?
2: Yeah, they're like stressed Batman. <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious. I love that so much. Yeah, they're like. Uh...
0: If this was the '90s, I'd be like, turn it into a news strip.
2: Yeah, it, it's Batman Beyond. They're like Batman Beyond or Red X. Like, there's such there's such a Robin like Dick, Dick Grayson in my head. Um, that, well, I guess we never established that Red X was Dick Grayson. Anyway, whatever. Yeah,
3: it is. It, it, it
2: definitely is. It super is, but we don't. But who can say? Really, who knows? Never seen Red X and Dick Grayson in the same place, but who knows? Who can say? Uh, But yes, they are very stressed, but they're dealing by driving around on a motorcycle. (laughs) Don't we all?
0: Wind in not their hair.
2: (laughs) Wind against the reflective surfaces of their
0: face. On to a couple questions on fame and fame mechanics. Tang Su on Twitter asks, could you find folks please describe how fame works mechanically in your game?
2: Sure. Uh, the fame mechanic was a little squishy for me. It was kind of like bringing in some more storytelling and lyric, more lyric games into here. Like, I feel like it's very masks or very monster of the week. To just like have an ambient fame score. Basically, you can use a fame score if you want to do something in front of other people. It's kind of an ambient whether or not you remember to do it or like if we remember it's happening or depending on who's around uh, but it's kind of like here's this extra bonus, but people will see this. So to your own detriment or success if it all works out. So it's a little squishy. Sometimes I forget to use it. Sometimes we don't we don't end up using it. But it's more like this. Superhero stories, and especially modern superhero stories, need to reckon with people looking at heroes and then having feelings about it, and either saying it in person or on the internet. And I think that this—the episode with Carmen—kind of put a, a a button on it. We didn't really end up running it down because, like I said, we didn't really run down Bone's body as much, which is fine. But like, it is something we need to talk about. And like, listen, we're not gonna have a—we're not gonna have a whole arc about brand building. I'm sorry, we're just not gonna do that. <laughs>
3: I almost consider it proficiency in
0: superheroing.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, like public
0: acts of heroing is how I see it too.
2: Yeah. There's a playbook in Masks called The Star, which I'm playing in a home game, and it's a lot of, like, uh, ask your audience or offer yourself up to your audience for help, and you get bonuses, but if you fail, then, like, they're going to demand more of you, and or you get a penalty, and people like you less, or people are going to comment on you. So that's kind of, like, what the fame mechanic is going for. It's a little bit different. I mean, remember, the fame mechanic only only went down in that one episode, like, lots of times ago. Just because of the roll of the dice, Brandon has zero or had negative one for a while. Julia had two and Amanda had zero or one. So it's just like, it doesn't do that much, but it does do something.
0: Yeah. Red Smoke in Discord said, Val has always stood out to me as the most recognizable, as in anyone who doesn't realize that that is Val, who knows Val already, is kind of oblivious. Mm -hmm. The social media uh, pro, Carmen, just seems to slide by that and say that they can change their outfit now. But how many people already know about Val's identity? Their whole family?
2: Um, this is something I wanted to put a little bit of a button on for this like listen a nat 20 is very powerful I said this last time and no one's gonna recognize Val I think that we understand this because Val is the main character of this story but like I would say Val is the least recognizable publicly in the world of Lake Down City. Aggie is relatively public, and so is Milo. And at least their small worlds, and they understand them. And yeah, the Little Italy community knows who Val is. And like, yes, Val has the least cover-up costume, but like, I think Val also fades into the background the, mo- the most. Like, they also
0: vibrate. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> Val also has the most subtle. I would say has the most subtle power out of everyone because uh, a preserver has a uh, a sharp hat and can run up walls and Killanova has ghost powers. <laughs> so like if you don't put the fire on, I think that Val can like uh, slip into the background is just like a rather short person with a cool haircut.
3: This is also the argument that people make. It's like, Oh, why doesn't anyone realize that Clark Kent is Superman? It's because they hold themselves differently. And you know, I'm also mostly face blind so it's really hard for me to like (laughs) re-identify someone i've only met once so if i saw someone in a superhero persona and then i saw them later in a just like average citizen persona i probably wouldn't put two and two together no matter how bad
0: their costume was Mm -hmm. yeah our relationships are so contextual and i think too that's in the genre of superheroing it's a little hand-wavy like it's a little bit like oh there are heroes you know and we can we cannot drill down on that too much because I think I speak for all of us when I say, like, it wouldn't be super fun to, like, constantly do sell- stealth yeah. checks to, you know, see if, like, your neighbors recognize that you're, you know, driving your pickup truck toward the scene of a uh, a preserver, you know, fight.
1: Right.
2: Absolutely. And, I mean, listen, I have to hew to that nat 20. That was incredibly dangerous for Val. Val put themselves in an opportunity to be seen. And, luckily, it didn't happen. So, the hand wave, I had, the, re- the fiction has to respect the role. So, if he does feel hand-wavy uh more like it's cuz we're we're not writing a a novel we have to respect the respect the dice
1: it's weird that Eric's wearing a t-shirt that says
2: the fiction has to respect the role.
0: <laughs>
2: Weird. That's new dice. Actually, it doesn't have any numbers. It just <laughs> has that written on different on different <laughs> Elizabeth, Yeah, you would also fucking recognize Batman. Like, think about Batman. Bruce Wayne yeah. is such a public figure so in Gotham. Rich. And he's so rich, and he's always having benefits. And then you see a guy in a, land, in a spandex suit, and he's like, is that Bruce Wayne's ass?
3: Bruce <laughs> Wayne's but ass. his
1: voice, Eric. I'm, B- I'm Batman. That's oh no, he does a different. That's voice. why no one I'm can Batman. understand. No one can understand who Milo is either, because his voice is so
2: different. Yeah. <laughs> Milo is very similar to Michael Michael Keaton being Batman in that just like he just whispers a little bit. It's just like hey, I'm ba- hey, I'm Batman. I'm
0: Batman. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Jost on Insta says, and now for a cursed question: Do people ship Flyboy and Killanova after their public display of affection? <laughs> Those that, that <laughs> they're 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 close talking, that close talking. <laughs>
3: They probably do, which makes it so much worse.
0: Listen, no judgment here.
1: Now, I'm judging that ship a tiny bit. But you could do whatever you want, (laughs) but that one in particular. No, I'm
0: saying, like, publicly... I feel like publicly
3: people are starting to ship them, like, in our fiction. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> like, I don't think anyone would ever actually ship Killanova and Flyboy. But after they, like, embraced for a very long time and threatened each other and don't them. Yeah, 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 yeah. That looks intimate. 100%.
2: Yeah, because you guys held each other for, like, 30 seconds yelling at each other quietly.
0: Yeah, exactly. Dominant ships in fandoms have been based on much, much less. Such <laughs> as a single frame at the end of The Devil Wears Prada and two moments, uh, you know, around jokes in Inception so mm. it, it happens
2: <laughs> I want to give a special commendation to that scene because I was a little worried that I didn't know what I was gonna do with Milo because you took care of the fight so quickly and then I was like I wanted if it didn't go well I did want I there's always the threat of the upcountry keepers coming to help which I think is like ultimate punishment for you losing <laughs> is that someone else needs to mop up your problem so true so I wanted that to happen But then I was like, oh, I need to do this anyway. This is going to be so funny. Uh, Or, like, I need to do this because... (laughs) To give, like, Killanova a victorious moment of dunking on Sour Anthony. And it just... That played in such a way that I was so happy about. So I loved that scene.
1: I think it's also funny because Milo and Sour Anthony were, like, quasi acquaintance like nice acquaintances at the very beginning of this yeah (laughs) that's how he got his
0: name is because of you yeah (laughs) oh my god i forgot that amazing
1: and of course i'm not actually judging anyone i'm totally joking
2: you can ship whomever you want to just to put that out there i don't think anyone (laughs) in the real world is shipping shipping them only people in lake town city
0: no, I, I I misread. I thought you guys meant in in my universe of podcast fiction, and not within the world of the podcast and its fiction.
2: <laughs> in Lake Town City, they actually have A O four. Wow,
0: pretty <laughs> impressive. Our Arch, archive archive of our own open. O- Omega. <laughs> Omega. 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 No, no, no. That's a whole other thing, Eric. All right. Before before we get oh, into ABO, um, I am going to go right into the kitchen and grab us a refill on our punch. Yay! Let's go. Be right back. Hey, it's Amanda recording here from the field. I am away. It's my birthday weekend. And I think it is pretty wonderful that I have coworkers who are in the office and like, hey, dog, how, how can I help you to get things done? How can I help you actually take time off? And I think that's fantastic. So here is to the rest of you. I want to thank each and every one of our supporters on Patreon and the people especially who joined this week. Kristen, Bridget, Alec, JD, Catherine, Ashley C, Ashley L, both Ashley's uh, with two E's by the way, which is great, Erin, Courtney, and Millie. Thank you so, so much for joining. We are incredibly grateful to every single one of you who make it a priority each month to support creators, not just us, but any creator that you support. If you want to be part of our Patreon family, we are always looking for more people to come in. You get our Discord, NPC stories, all the stuff that's been there for years of Patreon, and like at least five cat and dog photos every day. Sometimes when we're lucky, a snake. It's amazing. So if you're able, please do join us for as little as $5 a month at patreon.com slash jointhepartypod. You may have listened to Join the Party, but what about the other podcasts here on Multitude? If you like games, try meddling adults where adults need to solve children's mystery books all benefiting charity. If you like me and you like Julia, please listen to Spirits, even uh, starring Eric Silver from Time to Time, where we look at mythology and folklore from a queer and feminist lens. And if you like Eric's storytelling and Brandon's editing and music that slaps, you gotta listen to Next Stop, a 90s-style sitcom, but a podcast and none of the 90s-style cringy moments. There's Potterless, there's Exolore, there's Horse, there's so much to love here on Multitude. So search for Multitude in your podcast player or go to the website multitude.productions. This podcast is sponsored by Skillshare. This is an online learning community offering our listeners two months of free premium membership. They let you explore new skills, deepen existing passions, and get lost in creativity. There are so many fascinating classes on Skillshare on topics like animation, storytelling, science fiction, and fantasy, and more. Whether you're a player, a GM, or just somebody who wants to get more creative, it's a great place for you. And I even did a course on Skillshare, so you know it's great. My class is called Podcast Marketing, How to Grow Your Audience with a Marketing Plan, Social Media, and Metadata Tips. I work really hard. You can see my face move along to my voice. And if you want to learn about marketing a podcast or other online projects, it's a great thing to do. So listen, go to skillshare.com slash join the party where our listeners get two free months of premium membership. That's two months free at skillshare.com slash join the party. We are also sponsored by honestly one of the best sponsors we've ever had, Brooklinen. I am right this moment wearing one of their lounge tees. I have them in four colors. I thought there was no way that shirts or sheets or hand towels could make me so happy, but they actually do. Every single night, I smile because when I get into bed, I'm getting onto and sheets. We call it the buttery soft in our household. And every time I use my hand towel in the bathroom, I'm like, damn, this is a good hand towel. I really didn't think it could be that good, but it's good. So check out their comforters, pillows, towels, and loungewear. It is absolutely perfect. Go to brooklinen.com and use promo code JOINTHEPARTY to get $25 off when you spend $100 or more plus free shipping. That's a good deal. Go to brooklinen, dot N.com and enter promo code Join the Party to get $25 off when you spend $100 or more plus free shipping. Again, write it down, brooklinen.com. promo code Join the Party. And finally, this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, where Join the Party listeners get 10% off their first month of counseling at BetterHelp.com slash Join the Party. Now, whether you currently don't get therapy or you used to and you kind of want to again, or you occasionally visit the Bone Witch and bring her chickens or uh, you know, just cast off bones that you found around. She doesn't ask where you got them. Uh, they're just, you know, they're bones and they're there and that's what she cares about. Uh, you probably know that therapy is super helpful. It helps you understand yourself better, to set goals, to be happier, to work through challenges in your life with somebody who is like qualified to do that and has time for you and is there to help you solve your problems. It's amazing. And BetterHelp is a really good way to do this because you can meet with a counselor no matter where in the world you are At a time that's convenient to you, and even find somebody with a specialty or an identity that is something you're looking for in your therapist. Even in New York City, where I live, you can't always find somebody with the right amount of like specialties and also having availability and, oh yeah, also something that's affordable. It's challenging. But BetterHelp is absolutely the best way that I have found to get therapy. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and they even offer financial aid, which is amazing. So go to betterhelp.com/join the party for 10% off your first month. That's better slash l p.com/join the party. And now let's get back to the show.
2: Punch like a, like superheroes.
0: Yeah. Puah, puah, puah. Puah, 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 Pineapple, mango. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, incredible. I couldn't come up with a better segue back uh from the middle. So thank you, Julia. You're welcome. Into some game and character questions. Always a really fun grab bag um, of a category. This comes from Ergensone Mensch, I believe on Insta, asks, have Aggie, Milo, and Val ever played a sport? If yes, what sport? Did Milo play Yu-Gi-Oh?
1: Play Yu-Gi-Oh? As a sport. Yeah, of course. Professionally. Um, Now, is that a sport? (laughs) I think Milo probably played a little bit of baseball as like a kid, you know?
2: Mm. But
0: that's it. Baseball's a good softball sport. Yeah.
2: Like you quit by eleven because you were just were not having fun and you got hit in the face.
1: Well, he kept daydreaming Aww. about like the Hulk versus like uh, Flash in the outfield and would miss fly
2: balls every like, occasionally. So Ooh,
3: boy, yeah, that's that's too real. Pick daisies. The yeah. second
2: time you broke your glasses, Hank was just like, Alright. Let's <laughs> you're an indoor kid. Okay.
3: <laughs> I feel like Val was probably very good at football or soccer or field hockey, but never wanted to be on the team. Mm -hmm.
0: Swung by during practice. Also, it's weird being
3: non-binary in high school, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: No, I mean, I don't know, but it sounds hard and difficult.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I can picture Val, like, stopping by practice, like, you know, whatever the the equivalent in that sport of a hole-in-one is, doing that, and then being like, see you later to, like, impress (laughs) someone. (laughs) Just a hundred-yard...
3: Throw, yeah, exactly.
2: I just love this. It's like if this was the mighty ducks, you're the ringer who they found. It'd be like, no, there's this kid who's super good at hitting the ball really far, and then you watch them do it like in the in an alley, but instead of like you have to join the ducks and you're like, no. And
3: they walk away. <laughs> Actually, that's a good point. Since ice hockey is such a huge deal in Lake Town City, Val probably played a little bit of ice hockey. Oh, that would
2: be 100%. great. Ice hockey. There's also
0: like a, a trans um, ice hockey player. Uh, I think it's a specific team in a broader league in Canada, which I think is amazing. So let's let's bring gender inclusion to more sports, but starting with hockey.
2: I bet Val would be a good kicker too, on like the high school team.
0: Yeah, probably.
2: Aggie strikes me as a real rugby person. Like, you played rugby for three years in college.
0: You got it exactly. I think Aggie played Gaelic football at the, like, Irish-American cultural heritage group. (laughs) Love it, love Uh, it, love it. Oh, my God. Yeah, I knew so many kids growing up who did, like, you know, Irish step dancing, stuff like that.
2: That's very funny and impossible for me to relate to.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Let us move into a bunch of very sweet questions from Elena, who says, one, is Sour Anthony simply a reincarnation of Kevin Vacation from Campaign One?
2: Entirely possible.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Who can say? Elena is still curious about Clippy. Will we get a backstory about Clippy?
2: Very, who can no say? More Very, who can say? I think if you just look up Wikipedia and,
1: and enter a Clippy, you'll get Clippy's backstory. <laughs> there you go. Listen, oh. you guys,
2: that's what happens. You never ran that down, so that that thread is still is still a dangling, a dangling. Which Threat? one? Wait, which thread? Thread.
0: Oh, I was like, oh god, I didn't know Clippy
3: was like a ticking time bomb.
2: No.
3: The thread being Aggie running into Clippy at the stewards.
2: It was that's never amazing. confirmed that that was Clippy. So if that's a thread. It looked
3: exactly
0: like him apparently.
3: he <laughs> looked
2: exactly like Clippy. Brandon's right, but also you're not right. <laughs> <laughs> that's the space I like to live in, baby. <laughs>
0: Does the Bone Witch from the midroll live in Lake Town City? And if so, is it Ant min <laughs> Eric, as a as a podcast ad professional, I have to commend you on uh, increasing our our ad retention even more <laughs> by putting a beloved NPC in the midroll only.
2: Uh, Brandon, who? What are the names of those people in Marvel where like they live outside the world of Marvel but look at it? The Watchers.
1: Um, Julia, who are the people in Marvel that? live <laughs> out? It's the
0: Watchers. <laughs> Glad, glad we're all here.
2: That's true. I, I keep forgetting I need to defer to Julia, even though Brandon worked inside the bowels <laughs> of the beast. Um, Hey, Julia, is it the Watchers, the people who are on the outside? Yeah, yeah, it's the Watchers. <laughs> okay, oh, no, the Watchers, yeah. The Bone Witch is kind of like the Watchers. They're, like, extra fictional, um, and that's why she she lives in the mid-roll. So she does not live in like Down City. I love that.
0: What excuse does each of the PCs text their friends or family to get out of social situations? Aggies is always an exploding toilet. Not just running, not just leaking, exploding (laughs) toilet. She dealt with it once and then was like, no one will ever need anything from me again if this is what I say. (laughs) I think I said in a recent campaign
3: that I was like, Why do all of Aggies and PCs always have running toilets?
2: That's right. (laughs) None of them know how to fix it. It's more like I know that that's very fun. I think it's very funny because after living with Amanda, I realized that a running toilet is very easy to fix. However, if you don't know what you're doing, you will have a running toilet for like two years. (laughs) And it's very funny to me.
1: Uh, I think Milo just like texts his friends and I was like hey I got some glue drying on this model I can't step away otherwise <laughs> it could fall got some paint I gotta finish you know it's very time time consuming and, and sensitive so, so sorry.
0: My head is that they would stop by anyway because they know that you're just worried about social situations but if they bring you know popcorn and a, a DVD then you'll you'll be fine.
1: <laughs> yeah I think Milo's fine like, if it's one of his like you know three good friends they you can't stop by anytime but if it's you know mr brew pot then he'll jump out of a of a window oh, yeah. onto the fire escape oh, yeah, and run yeah, away yeah.
0: yeah
3: my mother has some lasagna that needs to be eaten before it goes bad <laughs>
1: incredible
0: of course take all the time you need
1: that's not an excuse that's just real
0: this is something that i realized i really want to know what are the pc's middle names oh have you guys thought of that
3: it's a v name i can't canonically tell you what the v is <laughs> that's fair
0: Aggie's is Clancy, which my my real-life brother, uh, that's his middle name. But um, Margaret Clancy O'Hare is her name. Nice.
1: What if I told you that Milo's name oh, no. was Milo low? <laughs> I just kidding. I don't know I have to think about it I'm bad at naming things so I have to give a lot of consideration to them but I will think about it and I will come up with one
0: I also know in my brain that there is no like kind of person with no middle name but I feel like Milo is the kind of person that doesn't have a middle name oh
1: I, there's tons of people that have mm-hmm. don't have middle names like a lot of um... yeah, yeah, yeah oh I see what you're saying yeah 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 I, I think Milo comes from a you know Judeo-Christian background so he probably would have a middle name so I gotta think of what it is though but
2: I I, it doesn't really feel like a thing that like Hank is like, oh, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to give him a middle name. Well, I already gave him Milo. I'll think about it, and then just never went (laughs) back to it. It's probably his his birth
1: parents' last name, but I gotta think of what that is.
2: Does
0: Milo have a relationship with them?
1: No. Uh, I think just like you know, Hank being a good dad, adoptive father, he wanted to make sure that Milo didn't forget. Um, And they would always be like a, you know, a part, an actual
2: part of his life.
3: Oh, I love that.
1: Hank's a good dad.
3: Hank is a good
2: dad. Now, what if I told you? (laughs) (laughs) No. Hank's a good dad. (laughs) His name was (laughs) (laughs) Ha-Unk-Lane.
0: Oh, my God. I'm just thinking about if the Bone Witch was Milo's godmother now. Okay, moving on. Um... (laughs) (laughs) The Bone
2: Witch is Milo's birth parent. Sorry. (laughs) No, no,
0: no. What does Tuna do all day, Eric, when they are not with Milo? Is there some sort of ghost plane where they just chill?
2: I assume that all cats chill out on their own ghost plane. So, like, whatever you think your cat does is exactly what Tuna does. But, like, Tuna just floats. Some ghostly sunbeam. Yeah. Yeah. Tuna moves on the y-axis to get into (laughs) sunbeams on the x-axis.
0: Adorable. And here are a few from question surgeon Michelle Spurgeon. Will Tegan want to interview the other members of LT3? After this interview, I don't know if Tegan will interview anybody (laughs) again. Uh, I think they're tenacious enough, but we'll see.
2: Who can say?
0: Who can
3: say? I recently watched Man of Steel and Tegan in this episode has big Amy Adams as Lois Lane vibes for me, Mm. where it's like, I went to Antarctica or somewhere in the Arctic. I can't remember which. I met an alien. He saved my life. I'm going to write an article about it now. (laughs) Yeah
2: hundred percent I love putting Tegan in that Lois Lane spot it's very funny to me um especially because Tegan's like so fucking cool and I think that that was always something that was lost on Lois was that she was always like a much better reporter than Clark was mm-hmm. oh yeah <laughs> and that's oh, yeah. something that I really wanted to capture in in Tegan's whole thing especially because Tegan's working for average bear like the BuzzFeed news equivalent in my head
0: my comp uh was Jeremy Jordan and Supergirl which I think oh. between Amy Adams and jeremy jordan we we have a real a real a real Tegan right there in the yeah, middle I love it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Will Val tell Hitomi about their alter ego now that there could be danger? Maybe <laughs> when the time is right. <laughs> I'm sorry for this spoily corner creep into the main after party.
3: sorry <laughs> to to give like a more thorough answer to that. I think Val is the kind of person who just like assumes that if they don't tell people, they won't be in trouble and they won't be in danger, which I think in this episode, it kind of implied that like Val hasn't told Hitomi about their mob connections, and Val obviously hasn't told Hitomi about their powers, other than the fact that they're just very strong, because Hitomi saw them lifting people over their heads at the Christmas party. And it's like, that makes
1: sense. That's just yeah. normal strong, mm-hmm. though. I mean, come on. I do yeah. that every day. It's my workout routine. Val
2: has a really tight core, so.
3: <laughs> really, really compact. That's all you need. It's a tight core. <laughs>
2: Stupid.
3: It's all about the back and the core. <laughs>
2: as long as you lift from your thighs, you can do anything.
3: Shoulders too,
2: incredible. It's all about the traps. <laughs> I don't, I'm not exactly what the trap. <laughs> not exactly sure what the traps are, but it's all about them. I'm all about those obliques.
0: <laughs> Are we going to see any more results of Aggie's siblings' powers? Another who can say there.
2: Very much a who can say. Oh, yeah. That was a little lost. I wanted uh, to give give you a chance to talk about that. It was lost within Car- the, the haze of Carmen de la Paz and the co- and the coffee. Um, yeah. I didn't know you were going to do that. I was not ready for you to like, give me a list of the rest of your siblings' powers. Me
0: neither. I came up with them on the spot. That wasn't something I prepared. Wow. Great job. Yeah Damn. yeah.
2: Damn. Yeah. Thank I thought you. you had written those down because we have had we've had ambient conversations about it when starting to plan the beginning of this arc and getting into Danny. And like I, you said some of it so, or like I knew their their um I knew their jobs. So I'm genuinely surprised.
0: Yeah, I, I also only knew their jobs going into it. And so in in the sort of light of talking more about Danny's powers, um, which kind of kicked off this whole Process for me. Uh, the only person who I knew, like you decided Quinn because we met her, you know, in in action, and I didn't know what her power was going to be before she stuck to the wall, which is very funny. <laughs> and Regan being the tattoo artist, I wonder if there is some kind of connection. I have to imagine some something, somehow.
2: What's wild to me is how you threaded the needle that I was doing, which was do, because this is the entire question of, I think, of this campaign, which is, what do you do with your powers when no one tells you what to do with your powers? And the O'Hares are very interesting in that some some of them are using it explicitly for gain, like their parents, and some of them are moving as far away from it as possible, And it's just, or is just like naturally talented plus sticky hands. So, like, you really threaded that, you threaded that needle just like what I was doing, and you did that off the top of your head. Because, like, with the one who plays the music it wasn't like I play it wasn't a fucking bard We're like oh my power is creativity man it was like no she makes them jump and I'm like that's so fucking smart
0: I got it backwards by the way Regan is the Casey Musgraves uh, and then Cassie is the tattoo artist it's right. famous. that's right. it you know we all mix up our siblings from time to time
1: I really want to get a <laughs> tattoo from Cassie like Mila does yeah, yeah that's yeah. such
0: a cool idea and like has a d mechanic already built
3: into it is something that exists in the comics, which I also think is extremely cool. And I just, man, so good, so good.
2: I also like, I always, I envision a lot of them like the Moana tattoos that Dwayne the Rock Johnson's character has. How he, how he has the little Maui like on his running around. Like that was also how I envisioned it, which I really loved.
0: Yeah, very cool. it's very cool. I also was thinking recently that this is, I'm gonna categorize it as headcanon, because I, I think people can think what they want. But um, I believe that Aggie has the same tattoos as me, which is uh, one half sleeve of hydrangea and dune grass uh, from from downstate New York. And then the other one is like pine trees and uh, an ash uh, tree berries and ferns from upstate New York that I've been working on that tattoo throughout campaign too, which has been very fun for me.
2: Oh, that's right. We were making this joke a few days ago was that you only know Aggie has tattoos if you see them not wearing a flannel.
0: Yes, like your like <laughs> tattoos stop... Exactly after rolling up the sleeves of a Lance and flannel twice uh, <laughs> two, two cuff ups. And then that is where it stops. Class, I love yeah. that. And then a few really interesting questions from Michelle. I'll sort of say them all in a row and then let's, you know, players speculate. Eric, you can weigh in or not, depending on what you want to do. Um, but one, are the villains getting their powers the same way our heroes did? Will putting the powered personas on social media bring national attention or pressure to power politics? A great question. Secondly, is the water from the lake being used to water the mushrooms? Brilliant. And thirdly, is there a connection to the giant mountain lobster we saw in the basement earlier in the campaign?
2: Monty, maybe.
3: I mean, we we know the answer to one of those questions. I will say that.
2: That is true.
0: Yeah, we learned the answer to one of them.
2: Yeah, I think I can say two things. In the world building episodes, we said that this was a little bit environmental as well. How like the delta radiation and all of that getting in places. Like, it's an environmental issue, so it is something we need to deal with. So I can't say for sure if the Water water to Mushroom connection or Water to Monty connection, but, like, we did say that there was an environmental, like, pr- problem we were going to talk about, uh, which I found really interesting. The other thing, as I've said before, the comp that I wanted to put here was, um, in Static Shock, how, like, just the big blast created a lot of superheroes. So it is, like, the in... Fiction version of why like the people who live in Lake Town City is related to this uh to the Delta radiation thing. But also like, yeah, sometimes people just show up with powers. So like there are there are plenty of the other regular superhero reasons uh, that people get powers.
1: Oh, OK. I see what you're saying. Are there powered people in other parts of the country, too?
2: Uh, Yeah. I mean, we said that there was a guy running around in Nashville oh, who was yeah, the Golden yeah. Knights.
3: But we didn't specifically mention that he had powers, just that he was a superhero persona.
2: Yes. So it is a little ambiguous. So, I mean, we're probably not going to. We, we have not touched that yet. Yeah. I mean, I can't say that like we also This is canonically X-Men. <laughs> like, I'm not going to say that, but I can only imagine that it's not like people are also getting powers in similar ways. I can only assume.
3: I do think it's interesting the idea of, oh, like, what's the national news going to look like as superheroes become more prevalent? But I will also say that the federal government has a role in the superhero situation already, and we've seen that with the the OTA.
1: Remember that the government, federal government, probably also has a
2: a role in disaster management, Um, Mm -hmm. so... That's what only I can say for this. You know, it's interesting. I was thinking of this. Oh, we are having, once happening? again, we're having a join the party Party listener is telling us things about our campaign and reach out to me on Instagram. <laughs> Breaking oh. news. Oh, cool. This I talked to Natalie, who's from Australia, who is a... Uh, trained molecular biologist and neuroscientist who, is, who wanted to give me some information about things that Dr. Morrow could do and some other wacky plot points, as they said. I love so it. So I'm like, ah, that's awesome to know. Can, and I asked them these two questions. Do you think that people could find an element that is energy efficient, like diaphragm? And what about a new type of radiation, like delta radiation? So, Natalie said, a new element would be difficult as newer elements uh, that are are usually man-made and extremely unstable. Radiation-wise, potentially, it does exist and we just aren't aware of it or haven't gotten anything that can measure that type of radiation. However, if someone made a stable superconductor from an isotope or an element, then 100%. Superconductors are materials with no resistance, so they are probably super energy efficient. The problem is that the only ones we've discovered only occur at ridiculous temperatures that are very impractical. So if I wanted to justify it, that's how I would. Uh, the radiation would be super cool. Alpha and beta radiation are particles, while gamma is very short wavelengths and super high energy. So delta radiation could be like really, really small and really, really high energy, which is probably how it turned people and into superheroes and after their dna so i have science behind me
3: wow Woo. ask ask this person next time uh how to biologically engineer blockbuster
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah natalie please let me know what what uh do i have, need to go into we... CRISPR to make blockbuster <laughs>
0: have we uh, sequenced the genome of blockbuster yet is that something science has gotten to
1: i, do, I know that superconductors can only exist in like Sub-zero freak, like sub-zero temperature is like zero, um, nearly zero Kelvin, which is like out nearly absolute zero. But yeah, if we ever made a a stable superconductor at room temperature, we would change our society. So that makes sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is what
2: Doctor Morrow figured it out, and that's why our technology jumped forward like thirty years, and why Lake Town turned into Lake Town City in the first place.
0: I also really appreciate from a, a podcaster point of view that getting uh, messages that are like, I'm a blank and rarely end well, because <laughs> people are either, you know, giving you a correction or nitpicking on something that you kind of glossed over. But uh, shout out to Natalie for giving us cool science knowledge without um, saying, hey, your fiction has to be 100%, you know, in keeping with current molecular biology.
2: I do appreciate the backfilling of science into the fiction. Yes, like, yes, Justify yes. this for me, please. Yeah
1: if you are a if you are on chops or are a molecular biologist then you're allowed to comment
2: that's it
0: <laughs> I'll take top chef too
2: but yes if if you want to share stuff that happens in your professional life that you think would be fun to tell me and not tell, correct me please reach out to the Instagram
1: I would love to hear if anyone is a like a museum worker in some kind of weird museum hit me up I want some, oh, yeah. some vocabulary yes. and some cool things I could be doing with that
3: you know I've worked at several museums, right, Brandon?
1: No. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that was like my first real job. I worked at the Cradle of Aviation Museum. Oh shit! That's... Which is what oh.
0: I had in my head for our uh, our fight at the at the. Yes, that's awesome. Yes. I did
2: not know that. Mm-hmm. I would love it, like someone at a practical or a science museum. I'm so fascinated by those. Like, what is it like working at a museum where people touch things?
0: Yeah. What about an <laughs> aquarium? I love that. I love zoos and aquariums. Get at me. Well, that's
2: a pers- That's a personal problem. We're all just putting personal requests on the podcast here. All right. Reach out to Amanda's personal My Instagram birthday. if you work at a zoo. If you
1: can get Amanda into the Louisiana aquarium where she can pet the otters, that would be wonderful.
3: You can pet the otters at the Louisiana aquarium oh my
1: god yeah i took lauren and she lauren is dead and has been a ghost ever since
0: <laughs> oh my god am sorry she's been a ghost in the in the year since yep <laughs> and let's close out with some uh, dming and D questions before we we take a quick little tour through spoiling corner my first one is going to be the end of Elena's email. Um, I'm about to start a one-shot, major quotation marks there, for a couple of my friends who've never played and are unsure if they'll enjoy it. How can I plan and write a plot that would be exciting and engaging for the players? And for context, Elena is also a, a, a young teenager.
2: Mm, fair. Honestly, I think if you rip off your favorite yeah. <laughs> movie or book and like just condense it and do it in there, there's nothing wrong with it. They're going to love it however it is. Um, honestly, I think that if you enjoy it and you think it will be fun, they're probably going to enjoy it. That's always what I say about DMing. It's that if you're putting yourself out there and you created something for someone else, then they are going to enjoy it if you are having fun and you really throw yourself into it. That's why Goat
0: Party was set at the the Met Museum during an Ocean's 8-style heist.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's what you wanted, and therefore that's what we wanted. Absolutely.
0: April in the Discord would like to know how we prep or bless our dice. I know Julia does something and I'm desperate to know because my rolls are infamously shitty. Eyes emoji. I have specific sets
3: for specific characters. I do not cross the (laughs) screen. For example, when we're doing our one shot for Slam, I have a specific set of dice for Moxie. I do not use my Val Uh, dice. Oh, Moxie. I'd
0: love to see Moxie and Val interact.
1: Oh my God. That's my dream. (laughs)
3: Wild. So fun. Val would hate Moxie with a parting <laughs> passion and Moxie would be like, what is this whole look?" <laughs> I also just cook them. I keep them on the highest number possible so they get familiar with that and uh, just give them good vibes. I do
0: that too. I've been intermixing my Chad dice with a uh, the dice uh, that Eric and I bought together at 20 Sided Store, shout out, um, when we were starting campaign two, which is like navy blue with uh, bright green numbers. It's very like join the party art vibes and so i i intermix dice from both those sets and if something's rolling badly i'll switch them out
1: i like to keep track of every single one of my rolls so i can come back to my uh critics and say statistically my rolls are on average and (laughs) that they are very normal and uh i will not hear anything to the contrary (laughs) you do not need to cook your dice the dice are are as long as they're not misweighted are you know random ish
3: Ritual is important for human beings, Brandon. (laughs) We get good vibes.
2: I will not deny that fact, but I will also say, (laughs) write down your numbers. I I actually stopped using the gold weighted dice that I usually do for DMing. It just has not been good for me lately. I'm rolling like absolute dog shit. So I'm switching back to my straight up just white on red uh, dice. I have specific player dice, which I never use for DMing.
0: Ask Bergman on Insta wants to know, hey, I'm a new DM. How would you try to explain spells to somebody new to D&D?
2: Ooh, good question. This is actually something I was thinking about a lot when I wrote No Capes because the idea of spells and spell slots are just kind of like the D&D way of keeping track of magic and the wild shit that you do with magic and like how much different magic users are than fighters um, is really interesting. So what I would say is spells are... Ways for magic folks to be more powerful when physical folks or fighters can, like, be strong or be fast, you need to be able to kind of, like, warp reality or do something special, which is a spell, a very specific effect or power that has to do with how they're changing the world. Um, And then you can kind of get into the different types of magics, which is a really good way when you realize that not all magics are the same, like some are divination looking into the future and some are just evocation making a fireball appear or some are transmutation where you change one thing into another thing like I think breaking that down would be really helpful it's like yeah well my fighter is super strong my barbarian can take tons of hits well my wizard can change fucking reality <laughs> and I think that's the way it's, it's just like it's just a game mechanic and I think the way for you to describe it is like magic users have a power and then where they get that power is the interesting part
1: from a player perspective uh just some quick tips think of your spell slots don't call them spell slots think of them as ammo like You have six Mm. shots to do this or charges. And then uh, if you... By the rules, if you're allowed to have an endless spell list, uh, cap it for yourself. Say, like, I can have five spells and then pick the five spells and don't do anything else. Otherwise, it's too difficult. (laughs)
3: Can I tell you a funny story from my home campaign real quick? Yes, please.
2: Only if you change all the names so that they don't (laughs) get any promotion on our podcast. (laughs) Other than Misha, you can keep Misha's name, but no one else.
3: (laughs) So in my home campaign, I play a School of Invention wizard, which is an Unearthed Arcana class where it's basically like instead of preparing a spell, you basically can roll a D10 and cast a random spell Mm. based off of that D10 roll and i chose to do it extremely hard mode where all of my spells are that instead of preparing any spells whatsoever <laughs> so all of my rolls are randomized I love because i am a weird person but we were playing a like pokemon one shot as kind of a spin off for an off week and the fighter from our campaign was playing a spellcaster for the first time so he went to go do a magic thing, and he's like, "So I just roll for to see what spell I cast." I'm like, "Oh no, I've broken you!
0: I'm so sorry. I don't understand the
3: mechanics of magic. Oh,
0: that's no. my bad." <laughs> well, now I want wild magic table rolls after every spell I hear cast on other podcasts. Yeah,
2: so. absolutely. There you go. You when know, now that you said Pokemon, that's another way of thinking about it. Like a spell is like a Pokemon attack. Like fighters Mm -hmm. have normal moves, but like magic users have everything else. And I think that you need to think of it like that is like if you can do something interesting, that is like your move in Pokemon and you have a certain number, which is just like Pokemon. You only have four, four uh, cool moves you can do. PP.
3: Yeah. And there's, and there's a limited amount of those moves that you can make. Exactly. Like PP. And also only certain, and
2: certain (laughs) numbers. Julius (laughs) and PP. Oh, they both said PP. So funny. So funny. Good and and only and certain types of pokemon can only learn super certain types of moves which is the other way for you to think of it
0: there you go i've been doing that to myself on streams julia so it, it, it's not it's not to you <laughs> that's fine i'm just mad that you called me out it, <laughs> on it and not
3: brandon.
2: i didn't hear it i'm sorry hey brandon said peepus <laughs> oh, no.
1: i did not say that that is libel and you know it <laughs> let's s- bring
2: it back to the tape let's check the tape brandon said peepus <laughs>
0: It's only libel if it's written. <laughs> oh, my. Okay. Ice Clex asks, Eric, do you have a hard time keeping some of your ideas for this campaign a secret?
2: Yes. Yes, I do. Can I know them?
1: <laughs> Can I have them?
0: Do you want to tell us all the secrets? Just gimme, please.
1: Gimme. Give
3: gimme give give me secret, please. Gimme, please. I will say in a recent recording... I think I guessed a plot point, and the look on Eric's face He's that devastated. passed over of him trying to keep it together was extremely was funny.
1: One of the best moments of this campaign. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that <laughs> I, don't want to... I keep a lot of things from you guys. And I think that I try really hard because the reveal is fun for you just as much as it's fun for the audience. So I try really, really hard. It's the moments before I do a game where I'm not really sure about my notes, both like I'm anxious about them, but also I'm excited about them and I wanna share them. That's why I just talked to Misha and I'm like, Misha, this is what I'm gonna do. (laughs) So I do have a person who I can reach out to, which is nice, but um, yes, it is very difficult and I wanna tell you so many things. This is really helpful doing this because you guys have to keep the secret of the next few episodes with me. Yeah. Like we've already recorded a bunch of episodes in the future. So like now I'm unburdened. Thank God. <laughs>
0: Huzzah. I know. The moment we're referring to happens in, uh, in 10 weeks from, from now. So. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, <guys. laughs> or nine, well, nine weeks. Nine weeks it's a ahead. Yeah. And JJ Pern on Insta says, I'm loving campaign too. And I would love to know how it feels to be powerful versus an adventurer.
3: That's a good question. I think it's about consequence. Yeah. Me that- too is where the difference lies. Because as an adventurer, I feel like the world is used to adventurers. But in our campaign, the world is definitely not used to superheroes. Mm. So more of my actions feel like they have immediate
0: and direct consequence. Yeah, and sort of paradoxically, as far as I'm concerned, it feels less like there's a right answer when I'm playing a powered person versus an adventurer. Maybe because I've um, I've taken in so much sort of high fantasy that it feels like there is one solution, like there's an item to get, there's a place to go, there's a secret word to say or whatever. Um, and as a superhero, it feels way more like, um, I think maybe what more experienced players feel in D&D, which is like, I'm living my life, I'm making choices like my character would. And you know, there's there's many, many roads in front of you at all times.
1: Yeah, I wonder if that's, I'm just thinking about it. I wonder if that's because, like, there's, like, you know, three major works of, of, I'm making up a number, of high fantasy, though, right? Like, Lord of the Rings is the basis for everything. And then, like, in comics, there's so much that's been explored that it gives us the feeling of having more options. I don't know. It's interesting.
2: Yeah, I think, I mean, this is why I wanted to do what we're doing now as opposed to fantasy. Because I think, with, since fantasy, you're building something from whole cloth where you need to also build the uh, societal relationships and, like, how people view each other, then you can, like, hand-wave a lot of stuff to just be like, yes, this is how it is. Like, you're your people, uh, it's fine that you people are rising up to fight a great evil. That's just how it is. While, like, you, we need to exist in the idea, like, Lake Town City is supposed to be our world in so many ways. So I think that we're trying to relate to our modern world and the world we actually live in as opposed to fantasy, which is, again, why I wanted to do this. So I really like this. I like exploring that and um, making you all responsible for the, the actions that you take. Because, like, you can, listen, you can do tight shit and people can think it's cool or people can think it's devastating. And I think that that is an extra element that is always going to be involved. And I don't know. I find that really interesting. Maybe that that's just me.
1: No, I, I do too. I think we all do. Mm.
0: Yeah. And now follow me, friends, into the spoily corner.
2: Creak?
1: Cat
0: Momil T says.
2: <laughs> Wait, no, Brennan needs to do more sound design. Give me more sound design. And
1: swap. <laughs> door closed. <laughs> and, uh, there uh and then Oh
0: sorry, Brennan, I'm uh I'm I'm drinking coffee. <laughs>
1: and then uh just like uh that's me sitting on the couch. And now we're nice. in the corner.
2: Hold on, Brandon. I need to walk across the room. Hold on. Clip-clop, 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 clip-clop. You're a horse. Hold on. <laughs> I'm riding a horse up a staircase.
0: I actually cut the coconuts from Monty Python and the Holy Grail, and I use those as all my footsteps. A little Easter egg for everyone, for all the Amanda Sound design stands out there. This hurts too much. <laughs> Kat T says, are we going to get a Tegan slash Preserver versus Tegan slash Aggie Love Triangle? Because they're both Aggie.
3: <laughs> oh, my God. I would love that. That would be so good. Fantastic. Eric, give that to us. Oh,
1: my Fantastic. God. That's
2: so brilliant. That's up to Amanda, man. Like, let's see. Let's see if if... If Aggie or Preserver pursues Tegan, like let's can see. make a move. Yeah. Someone needs to make a move. Oh
0: my god, I felt like my I felt like the world was on fire when that scene happened because I was just like, oh, <laughs> Tegan knows. <laughs>
3: It was wonderful. Watching Amanda in the moment where Tegan was like, you remind me of someone. And then full panic, just being like, I don't, I talk a lot. Don't, don't think I'm yeah. someone else. No, 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 no. no. It was like, oh my yeah, God.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was amazing. Um, But I, I do want to give full credit to here's a username, I guess, who had the best answer following up to Camomile's question. All I want is for historians to be able to say Aggie and Tegan were close friends.
2: (laughs) 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 There's a photo of Aggie and Tegan holding hands. Tegan Murphy and their friend, (laughs) Aggie (laughs) O'Hare.
0: Their close friend. Schmalti K on Instagram says, please tell me we're going to get a Lois Lane and Superman Clark Kent situation with Tegan and Preserver slash Aggie. Yes, 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 yes. Listen,
2: we'll see. Someone needs to make a move first. Superman made a move.
0: I'm also like, I don't know. Yeah, anyway, I've, I've, uh, I have I've have complex thoughts, but we'll
2: get that Please time. do it. Act on them. Who can say? <laughs> Who can say but act on them? That's out of my hands. I can't even say.
0: Holly Jessica on Instagram says, did Val's mother put the third boob on the back? The people need to know. <laughs> <laughs> did she? We'll never know.
2: Oh, I also love that. I, here's why I love doing emotional scenes in our podcast. Is because I've already set the majority of these NPCs up as goofy. And then like we build the stakes and there's the emotional thing, but then I can always just go back to the well, which was the original thing. And then just t- and being like, Hey, remember this? <laughs> right. Remember this thing that happens? So like she laid all that out and then she's like putting some boobs on things. What do you think?
3: <laughs> so I think that was, that was me playing in your space too, because it was like, we were sitting down and then there was a moment of
0: pause. And then I was like, the boob should go. Yeah, on <laughs> was, yeah, no, that was great. It was so beautiful. It was so good. good editing, Brandon. Good playing, Julia. Uh, good giving Julia space to play, Eric. <laughs> good all around. ESP Seth May on Insta says, "Does Val's dad know what ant Min is doing? Will he make an appearance?"
3: Who? Who can say? Can say. say. What's Marco up to? Who could say? What's a
2: spaghetti doing? Big spaghetti
3: <laughs> That's not his he's the he's the macaroni. I know, I know he is. <laughs> it's, just, it's just cause you referred to him as spaghetti in the last one too. And it's just like, oh no, did we forget his name? No, his name nickname?
2: is Macaroni. He's he's macaroni, I know.
0: It's he, quite disrespectful though to refer to him by the wrong pasta shape. That's
2: true. <laughs> Big rigatone. Well,
1: macaroni can refer to any pasta, right? No. So like it can't? <laughs> no Yo! What? Macaroni is like the the name of, also another name for pasta. Am I wrong? No, it is not. Okay. All right. There's a
3: specific shape of pasta.
1: Okay. Okay.
3: Do you want me to get Jake? I'll get him in here.
1: No, don't get Jake. Wait, Jake
2: from (laughs) Blakedown City? I love that guy.
3: Oh, how's his career going? It's a building inspector. I was canonically again in this episode, by the way. Yeah, that's right. It's eating at that (laughs) diner. That's right. (laughs) It's a very good joke-filled episode.
2: I realize, and I I, this is like me kicking myself a little bit that you landed on a bunch of old pillows. Because I thought it was funny how you landed on old pillows even though you were a monk and wouldn't have taken damage. So I know you were supposed to do the Marvel superhero jump down and Aggie was supposed to have the moment, but I like the idea that you did the jump and then you landed in pillows. I know. It's so good. (laughs) It's a great image.
0: And then some final questions from Athena, but corroborated by others. Uh, One, what if Carmen's superpower is SEO? Incredible joke. Mm -hmm. Two, do we know what Kelly does outside of starting a lot of fires?
2: Oh, good. We don't. Yes. We don't. We don't. We don't know if she's like a pyromancer, if she just lights things on fire, if she has wishing powers. It's very good.
0: Kelly is like a former model whose face is on Pantene bottles and in CVS and stuff. So maybe Kelly has a whole side career doing fire related stuff. We don't know.
3: What does what a career in fire-related stuff look like?
1: A uh, smithing,
2: uh, glassblowing, mm-hmm. uh... Oh,
3: yeah, she had a real good run on Forge by Fire. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh...
2: It, it was a bunch of 60-year-old dads with massive beards and, like, a 25-year-old model. Just wild.
0: <laughs> it sounds like great television. They all they all adopted her at the end. Oh, cute. If Salomone is Mountain Lobster through and through and seems younger than our protagonists, what are the chances he might have powers? Mm-hmm. Well, I think Aunt Min is new to the area, so it wouldn't make sense if she
3: had a kid who had powers.
2: Salamone's not a kid. Salamone's just a guy who works for the mob.
3: He's related to me, though, right?
2: In my head, he was like your third cousin, and like fa- who okay. uses family with a capital F, like very loosely. And, like, that sweet he, he
3: specifically referenced one of my grandparents, though, so that's why I guess I thought he was closer. I,
2: you know, it, it's everything is so mixed up because it's, like, capital F family and lower ca- lowercase sure. F family that, like, he knows people... He knows you by name. You wouldn't have seen him at, like, anything more than, like, the equivalent of a cookout. Or, like, the feast of many fishes. So, like...
3: So Christmas Eve. <laughs> yes,
2: yes, exactly. So, like, I don't know. It's very like you might not have known about him. He's just kind of around, but he knows about you because you're Marco's kid. Okay, we. Said, well, that's what I imagine. That like he was also putting on airs about knowing shit because it was capital F family thing, which was mixed with lowercase f. Family
0: no, that's thing. good to know. Yeah, and per spoilery corner, we don't know. So it's a it's a fun thread that we may be able to follow. Yes. And then finally, is the People's River working on mushroom weaponry to take out powered folk? Is Bones' potato gun like a prototype? Is Gutenberg involved? Truly, who can say? Who can say? Who can say? say? Say. say? And then we have a final Yahoo section here that that Eric has put into the document. Um, There's two of them, which I love. One, is Aunt Min a girl boss? Oh, what a good question. (laughs) What a good question. And then uh, again from Athena is Carmen's coffee addiction a foil for Emily's vehement insistence that caffeine is poison?
2: Caffeine's just poison. It, it, that's what Emily thinks. Caffeine is poison and it ruins your body. And you need does to Emily
1: get this. think caffeine is poison? What was that? Yeah, that was in
3: the first introduction of
0: juice.
2: <laughs> she gets all of her energy from fruit smoothies, so Emily that's has- why she doesn't that's touch incredible. caffeine. That's incredible. Yeah.
0: That's just sugar. Uh, character Emily Slaughter as opposed to patron Emily Slaughter, character Emily Slaughter, uh, has all the wrong opinions in my in my in my view. I do
2: love that we've been putting the girl boss stuff on Aunt Min, but Emily Slaughter is such a girl boss. It's so funny. <laughs> like she's canonically I've said so many times on Mike that she she's asking Aggie to lean in and be a girl boss. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, I just want to say something just to everybody. I mean, like there was such a wonderful response to this last episode. We're so happy. I mean, where I feel like we're just like, we're out here in the podcast minds making stuff and at, like, we know what's going to happen in the future, but thank you everyone to the responses that you did to this episode. Um, also, a lot of you said why and told me they were going to come fight me, which I find as the highest compliment for a dungeon master. <laughs> so I will keep trying to make you upset and mad and wanting to fight me, um, it's and, like
1: imitation threats of violence.
2: <laughs> threats of violence of to a DM for on a on a D and D podcast <laughs> is a hundred percent how you show love. And I'm so <laughs> blessed. and so so thankful that you uh, that you all love that. So thank you, everybody. Hey Eric, what the fuck is pro- might be the highest compliment. So thank you. Yeah. <laughs> After episode release day, I
0: was like, oh, like hun, like did you have a hard day with everybody yelling at you on the internet? And you were like, no, I thrive on it. <laughs> this specific <laughs> kind of yelling. By the way,
2: (laughs) I want this yell at you guys saying why. And then I take Julia's anxiety and put it on like chocolate syrup and I eat it. "Mm." And I eat it like a like a 1920s toddler in a very fancy hotel (laughs) ordering (laughs) a sundae. I'm just like, "Mm, daddy, thank you.
1: (laughs) You have (laughs) a sailor hat on.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I I have a I have a page boy cap on and like chocolate (laughs) syrup all over my mouth and be like, this is the height of luxury as I'm eating a sundae.
0: (laughs) Incredible. Uh, well, thank you, everybody. You'll get a new episode in just a week. What a luxury. Speaking oh, of luxuries. Man. And listen, it only gets bigger from here. It does. That's all I got to say.
2: This is the perfect time, I think, to tell people in your life to listen to campaign two of Join the Party. I think right now, now that we're established and we have this hot episode, that getting people to start with campaign two, listen all the way through, and then they go to campaign one, like this is the way to start. And then I, you
0: get join the party origins for campaign one. Yeah.
2: Hashtag join the party origins. <laughs>
0: uh it would be great uh for my birthday if you can recommend join the party to one Happy person who doesn't birthday. yet listen to it. Oh no. Julia, quick, you gotta fade to out. You. you gotta fade out. You gotta fade out. Okay, Happy thanks everybody. Birthday. Eric has to so you and say the outro. Go. <laughs>
2: but, bye. <laughs> 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 uh, it's Marilyn Monroe. I hope you all had a good time. We'll talk to you next time. Look at the.
3: Amanda Dice. You don't <laughs> have to go home, but you can't dice. stay here.
0: <laughs> no, the other
3: one. Oh, shit.
0: Roll ever
2: upward. Happy birthday to you.
0: <laughs> Bye, everyone.